Well, the football season is reaching its conclusion and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We're into the crucial final week of the Premier League campaign and with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple's App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, the Everton Football Club podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Greg O'Keefe and as always I'm joined by my colleague Paddy Boyland to discuss the latest news and blues every single week. This episode we're looking back on the victory over Sheffield United, we have the latest in the potential Hoybeck transfer and an update on Gabriel of Lille. Plus we'll be hearing from a blues legend. Right now we're offering listeners the chance to try out The Athletic for free. You can read all of our articles on Everton for the next 30 days with the transfer window opening at the end of the month, you can keep fully up to date with all the comings and goings at Goodison by going to theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod and signing up for a free 30 day trial. That's theathletic.com forward slash Everton pod. You'll also enjoy our whole network of podcasts ad free. Paddy, let's start with the game on Monday night. Were you, I mean, you covered it. Your piece uh, is on, on the site now. It's really, really worth a read talking about Jared Branthwaite, but were you, Pleasantly surprised by the performance as a whole against the Blades. Yeah, to be honest, I think everybody was a little bit surprised. Um, I kind of logged on a couple of hours before, as we tend to do, onto the uh, Athletic app to have a look at the kind of the live discussion that we set up before games. And quite a few, there were quite a few kind of pessimistic, negative messages about what to expect from the match. I kind of sympathised with what people were saying. A lot of it was like, Ancelotti's just called out the team seemingly for a lack of motivation, a lack, lack of commitment and an effort, effectively, a lack of fighting spirit, if you will. And Sheffield United are probably the worst opponents to play in that kind of situation, because if you don't compete with them, if you don't scrap for those second balls and look to match them on a physical level, then you, as, as we've already seen once this season, you kind of come undone. So I think that was the kind of the background and I could understand some of the reservations heading into the match but we have to say that we were pleasantly surprised if we're if we're giving credit where it's due I'd say at times that was the most cohesive Everton performance I've seen since the restart probably with the exception of the first 30 minutes or so against Leicester where they were obviously very very good Um, I suppose they were also good against Norwich in spells in the second half but let's be honest Sheffield United are a better side and a much tougher proposition than Norwich um, on their own patch. And um, I, I thought this was a step in the right direction. I don't know about you, but I just, I, it, it, just, it just felt like confidence grew gradually as the game went on. First half was not very good for either side, even though Everton had the best chance for, for Calvert-Lewin with the header that hit the post. Second half, just gradually, bit by bit, players started finding their passing range again. There was just more connection between, say, Gomez and the defence, Gomez and the wide players, the wide players and the attack. And they just seemed like a, a football team again. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous, but they, they seemed like a football team again that knows how to kind of connect things, knows how to link play, get up the pitch, 
knit passing moves together. Because let's be honest, we've not seen enough in the way of passing, decent passing moves from this side for a while now. Um, and it was a, just an altogether solid away performance, the kind of which we've not really seen that much this season. So yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. What what, what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And, and certainly in the sort of cohesion of some of the passing moves, um, it was just nice to see Everton creating opportunities and openings on the floor. So often, you know, our play, the only option we've had is to go through the, the overlapping fullbacks and, and, you know, the sort of variable delivery of Coleman or whether it's Dean being sort of overburdened with the, the, the task of throwing crosses in. But it's nice to see them open up an, an opponent, especially a, a well-organised, impressive opponent like Sheffield United on the deck. Um, you know, Sigurdsson it w- was actually being involved in a lot of that uh, in a position that he would say is his best position. You know, kind of, there was that one pass through the legs of the Sheffield United defender that, kind of, you know, had that been finished in the first half, it would have been a fantastic team goal. And totally agree. Um, 4-2-3-1, if you like. I know some people suggest it was uh, 4-4-1-1 or various... Uh, but basically having, you know, sort of um, Sigurdsson in a more of a uh, number 10 position with kind of Calvert-Lewin leading the line, Richarlison out on the flanks, seems to suit this the bunch of players that he's got. I'm not sure it'll be around for good, but I don't know. Um, I think Ancelotti probably won't be wedded to one particular lineup. Although four four two is one that stuck with him from you know early in his career in Napoli, and we've seen it at Everton. Le- probably seen it reach the limits of its uh, efficacy at Everton, and then you know he's, he's experimented recently with, with differing results. You know, Wolves didn't work, did it at all, and uh, last night I'd say it did. So um, we were talking about it earlier, weren't we, Paddy? And I think. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, I'd like, I like the flexibility that he brings to his approach anyway. And it's definitely something that if he weren't to improve the squad, which we know he's going to, you could see him playing a lot. Uh, I'm just not sure whether a system would be set up around Sigurdsson next season. But, you know, there's uh, stranger things have happened where Sigurdsson could suddenly come back into the fold and prove his worth. Uh, he's certainly not a central midfielder in 4-4-2. Um, but yeah, generally I was really impressed. Now another player who, who did impress us both, and, and as I said earlier, you wrote your piece on it, was um, just eighteen, and what a game he had! It was Jared Brantwaite. Um, he's you know kind of the focus is going to be on him because he's starting Premier League games, and I think it, as they said on commentary last night, his previous game had been in, so it was in January in League Two. And all of a sudden he's uh, he's you know he's playing in, in against Sheffield United and doing really well so we can hear from another Blues legend another sort of top top centre back for the, for Everton Kevin Radcliffe who had this to say about the 18 year old centre half last night he didn't play like an 18 19 year old at the back he played as if he'd been playing there for quite a few years you know especially with his composure on the ball I like the way that he passes it that he uh, he just doesn't roll it into people you know he just puts a little bit of the right type of pace on the ball to get there I think he's shown that he's still 18 because of physical presence. Even though he's a big lad, he's not got that man's power that he can knock people off the ball and be a lot stronger. And that, that will definitely come as he gets older. You know, but the, 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 signs, the signs that we're getting are, are good signs. Um, the one thing, you, you, you never ever judge anybody on one or two appearances. You know, you've got to get 20 appearances before you realise, you know, can somebody cut it at that level or not? 
Um, but he's certainly you know, on, in the right direction. Yeah, so I, th- I think it was quite an interesting conversation, obviously, with, with Kevin and looking at this from my own point of view. He obviously had a very good game, Branthwaite. Uh, it's not often, as Kevin mentioned, that you get an 18-year-old that comes into the first team plays in in such an important core position in the side, like centre-back, and delivers that kind of performance. And, and what I liked about it was it showed a whole load of elements, some of which Ancelotti touched on after the game. This kind of calmness and composure in possession, um, particularly in the second half, after things had not always gone his way on the ball in the first. He is focused enough and resilient enough to make mistakes, kind of relatively minor mistakes and kind of seeding the ball, and then also kind of recovering and, and, and kind of still going about his business well in the second half. He's six foot four, so there's a, a physical presence there. And he's also quick across the ground as well. So it just, it just seems to me like he's got an awful lot going for him. And it's it's very, very early days as as people are at pains to mention. But there's a, there's a certain irony in this. And again, something I touched on in the piece. It seems like every man and his dog across Europe wants a left-footed, left-sided centre-back. Ever, ever, Everton, Everton are certainly one. And, and that's why the links with Gabriel of, of Lille do persist. But there's two in the ranks. It's not just Branthwaite. There's also Lewis Gibson who plays that role very, very well too. So we could go from a situation in which we've we've kind of had to make do with with a very good, admittedly, Mason Holgate on the left. But in the future, there's two, three top-class options from which to choose. So Everton kind of have a decision to make. They kind of need to decide whether Branthwaite or Andor Gibson are going to go out on loan. And we know the plan for Gibson at the moment is that he goes out on loan to a higher level after the Fleetwood move. Branthwaite is obviously developing and he's doing an awful lot of good in the games that he's um in the games that he's played. But it just feels as though they, they're gonna want that experienced option in there. And I think that is why we still know of their interest. We still hear about their interest in Gabriel. But look, I mean, this is a lad in, in, in Branthwaite that signed for what we're told was believe, uh, between 500,000 and 750,000 pounds. He'd played nine League Two games for Carlisle before he joined in December. Two appearances off the bench for an injury hit Everton side. And I thought he was really good in spells against Wolves and, and Aston Villa, but this was a step up again, doing it against Sheffield United. And Sheffield United, while they did not play well on the evening, I think they always, they're always just niggly. They're always one of those sides that never let you have a moment's peace. They always present you with some form of challenge or confrontation. And McBurney obviously is really good in the air. McGoldrick kind of buzzes around. So for Brantway to kind of stand up to them physically um, to compete, for Everton not to, to cede any sort of opportunity a shot on goal for Sheffield United and certainly not for the front two reflects well on not only Branthwaite but also Michael Keane who was who was excellent again I thought as the, the senior member of that central defensive partnership there were passes out of the fence Branthwaite grew into the game and there's no surprise then that you've got kind of the Amazon Prime pundits waxing lyrical giving him their man of the match uh, as, a th- as a thing happened and also then um, Everton's own social media channels doing the same um I think you could have given it to Richarlison, you could have given it to Michael Keane as well. 
Gomez and Sigurdsson were also improved. So there were some good performances from 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 players in blue uh, on Monday night. But Branthwaite was definitely one of them. And it just kind of leaves you wanting a little bit more, leaves you wanting kind of more glimpses just to see how far this lad can go because it is early days, as we've said, but um, it's been a tantalising glimpse of just what potentially he's had. He has, I should say. And you would expect that with Holgate and Mina kind of serious doubts for the game against Bournemouth on Sunday, Branthwaite will get another opportunity. So, I mean, it's been quite the ascent, quite quite the journey for Branthwaite in six months from, from League Two to the Premier League. And the best thing you can say about him is he doesn't look overawed and he actually, in the very small sample size, has looked right at home in the Premier League. Yeah, com- completely agree. He has uh, looked at a few little nervy moments, but you know, goodness me, wouldn't you expect that for someone who's just eighteen and given the uh, experience of Sheffield United, um, pretty much across the team, really, and uh, physicality of them as well. I thought he, he stood up superbly. So um, you know, credit to Everton scouting and uh, you know the sort of we've spoken recently and there's been a lot of debate on social media about the sort of the hit and miss recruitment in recent years, but certainly at that level, you know, Lewis Gibson, as you said, very promising, and uh, Jared Branthwaite. Um, I suppose even more so in terms of we've now seen him a couple of times at the highest level and he can only get better, one would hope. So speaking of another player who's actually, you know, kind of obviously much further ahead in his development and one that Everton seem very keen to bring to Goodison Park, Pierre-Emile Hoiberg. Let's uh, let's look at the article we did earlier in the week. The headline was why Angelotti wants Hoiberg, but want doesn't always get. And Pad, there's some uncertainty over What's going to happen with with the Denmark international? Is known, you know, are Everton going to get a deal done here? Do you think the million dollar question? Um, I guess guess one that quite a lot of people listening to this want to know, kind of a definitive answer to. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we can do that at this stage, but we can kind of outline where Everton are, where Southampton are, and where Hoiberg is himself, having spoken to various people close to this deal. As we, as we reported over the weekend, um, Everton have been in talks with Southampton over him. I think they've gone back in for him early this week because it doesn't appear as though Southampton's valuation of the player has been met. I think the issue from Southampton's point of view, or the issue, potential issue that could arise for Southampton is that they originally are believed to have put, I think, £35 million price tag on Hoiberg's head. Now, he's got one year left on his deal that, for all intents and purposes, he's not likely to extend. There's next to no chance of him extending. Even Southampton admit that's highly unlikely. So he's he's expected to move. And I don't necessarily think all the cards are stacked in Southampton's favour here, particularly given the difficulties other clubs are going to have stumping up the cash in the kind of the post-COVID financial landscape. Everton like him. As we've mentioned, Everton have been in talks with Southampton and a bit to kind of steal a march. Carlo Ancelotti is a particular fan, but there are other clubs interested here as well. And Tottenham are kind of are lurking behind in the in the, in the corner. Um, some foreign clubs, Ajax, a few others on the on the continent like him. Arsenal, I think, have I've kind of had a look at him, but haven't made any sort of firm decision yet. And we we don't necessarily know if they will. The player's preference, we're told, is is, is still to go to Tottenham, but there's no certainty that Tottenham themselves are able to stump up the kind of money that Southampton want. So Everton is still in the race. Everton is still, almost with a renewed focus, have gone back to Southampton early this week to, to speak to, to speak to them over Hoiberg. Um, and the reason Ancelotti, I think, likes him so much is that there's obviously, there's, 
without Idris Gay, without who obviously now obviously is is, is playing for PSG, without Gabamin until certainly late autumn, early winter, you would assume until he's even back on on the pitch. Um, never mind at his full capacity. Everton just need more solidity in that part of the pitch. They need um, greater legs. They need a ball-winning presence. Hoiberg does all those things and plays the ball forward well. So if you've not read the piece on The Athletic and you're interested in doing so, effectively come for those lines about what's happening with the deal, but stay. I think what, what I found really interesting was when we were given those data charts of Hoiberg compared to the three other Everton midfielders, Delph, Davis and Gomez and just seeing where he excels in which areas he excels and the areas in which they maybe don't excel he would be comfortably of the the three that have played this season comfortably the most secure option defensively and I think he's the best at what Ancelotti would probably call ball progression i.e. getting the ball and giving it to more gifted creative players I think if he if he does want to per- persevere with 4-4-2 that that is an essential. One of the components needs to be able to do that, and probably they both need to. So they need more solidity in there. And we know that Ancelotti does like to be flexible. He's he's played well in in our time watching Ancelotti's Everton. I think I've seen three five two. I've seen four four two, four five one, four two three one. Uh, all these different systems with three at the back, four at the back, five at the back at times. So he's tactically flexible. And if he b- believes there's a better way forward with a group of players, then he's not going to stay wedded to that one system. But he did say in his press conference last week that he likes four four two from a defensive standing. He just, I think he, he just feels it gives you that solidity of two banks of four, particularly if you've got two very energetic strikers that are able to, to win the ball as well like Everton have in Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin. He's probably stayed wedded to 4-4-2 for maybe longer than others would have done. And I think that's been predominantly because of how well Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison have done in that system. But the thing that's brought all of this into question is, is that those lads have stopped thriving and they've stopped thriving because they've, let's be honest, stopped receiving chances and stopped receiving a supply line. Monday night was the first indication, even with Calvert-Lewin playing up from front on his own and with Charleston on the left wing, that Monday night was the first indication that some of those links in the team between defence and midfield, as we've said, and between midfield and attack were kind of starting to be reinstated again. And they just looked like carving out more opportunities. They, as we've said, the buzzword for this pod seems to be cohesion. Said it about 15 times already. But that, <laughs> that, that I think, was the story of, of the game at, at Bramall Lane. So... They do need they do do need to strengthen. I think somebody like Hoiberg would appeal, um, but also I think if with a few subtle tweaks here and there, Ancelotti has shown that he can probably, if push comes to shove, get more out of this current group of players as well. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know Hoiberg, whether he comes or not, is not going to be the only option you'll be looking at. Um, there's been a few interesting pieces on, on the site that that we've worked on during the the, the recent months, but. There are other options, aren't there? Um, in places like Lyon in France, um, you know, the Sangare is one we've spoken about. Uh, Baptiste, you know, that it's that sort of midfielder. So whether or not in the end it's Oyberg, you can clearly you can see what they're looking for. And as you just outlined, um, some of the areas that 
that new player has to come in and take. And then, of course, don't roll your eyes, promise me, but you've also got the eventual return of Kabamon and, and what he'll bring. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. I think the most important thing is that that player that comes in, and again, I mentioned players in league on, and you know, it's difficult because they have to be a player who comes in and makes an immediate impact for me. It's got to be one that's ready to go into the first team and adapt very quickly to playing in England. Um, so I suppose you can understand why he's looking at someone who's been doing that for for a few seasons. Uh, it's a it's a tough one, such a fundamental position, such a big one to get right, isn't it? Yeah, and I think this is it. And at times we've, I think since Marcel Brands came in, I think its supporters have been expecting these kind of really obscure picks from like the Romanian league and the Dutch league and players that we don't know an awful lot about. They have done bits like that. If you look at the recent signing of Niels and Kunku from from Marseille, lower down the club, those signings have taken place. Branthwaite himself is is very much another example of that. But they've actually been pretty risk-averse in their overall first-team recruitment strategy. Not lots of players coming in that we hadn't really heard of before. In fact, I can't think of any. And certainly in central midfield, I don't necessarily think it can... If they only bring in one, I don't think it can be an option, like you say, that will mature in two, three, four years' time. It has to be someone that can come in and more or less stabilise immediately make things um, more solid in there, create that platform for the gifted attacking players, that some of the gifted Everton ta- atta- Everton attacking players that they've got. Moise Keane, Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Anthony Gordon as well, who, who I thought did well in his in his short cameo at Bramall Lane. They're a priority. Um, and that's why, I mean, we, we've written a little bit recently about Ibrahim Sangari from Toulouse, who, who obviously lots of people are interested in and lots of people... We speak to supporters, that is, tell us like they'd, they'd like to see Everton in for him. I think certainly from what I've been told when I've asked people about him who know what's going on, they've kind of said, yes, he's a good player. Yes, he's got things going for him, but there are some rough edges, maybe in terms of the technical abilities here and there that make it, what would make it a surprise if Everton went for him. And I think that's why they've looked at somebody that they trust. I, I use the word risk-averse. They look at somebody that they've seen in the Premier League in Hoiberg and have sensed an opportunity. Not only does Ancelotti like him, but he's got a year left on his deal. He's not going to sign a new one, we don't think. So potentially there's a deal to be done there for somebody that is, in quotation marks, Premier League proven. I suppose that that weighs more heavily for them at the moment than if they were to take a punt on somebody with lots of upside that may or may not quite work out. So that's just where they are at this moment in time. Obviously, a lot of work still to be done. No offer yet has tempted Southampton into selling. We know, as we've said, that the player ideally would like Champions League football. If not, he would like a club that can seemingly get him there in the very near future. We know that that's a challenge for Everton, Um, even with Ancelotti in charge. uh, Next season probably needs to be about pushing on from that kind of 11th, 12th, 10th position in the table to 6th, 7th, 8th, having a run at the Europa League and then building from there. So I think that's one of the things that counts against Everton. But I wouldn't say they're completely out of this race for Hoiberg. And one of the other things that really pleases me, just to kind of try and put a positive spin on this, is that the end of the season has pushed, with the injury crisis as and, and the extra substitutions has pushed some of Everton's youngsters into first team roles. 
It's placed them in these kind of sink or swim scenarios. And I think if you asked anyone, if Branthwaite so far and Anthony Gordon so far, if either of those two players, both of those two players have either sunk or swum, you'd definitely say that they've they've done the um they've done the latter and that they've been really quite good. So um that gives you kind of confidence that there's stuff coming through underneath with Lewis Gibson, potentially with Ellis Sims, who was obviously on the bench at Bramall Lane. And I think that that needs to be the approach. It can't just be he has loads of money, go out and sign all the best players that you can. The best players you can that want to come for the money, Carlo. Work your magic with Marcel. They, they'll have some money, but they'll have to be astute. They'll have to be prudent. They'll have to trim the squad and get rid of wages on one side. And they'll also need to find internal solutions as well, either from players that are out on loan or players that um, have been around the periphery and are coming through, such as Branthwaite, such as Gibson, such as, as Anthony Gordon. But I think those three in particular are showing real promise too. Such a difficult balance to take because, you know, as you, you rightly say, they've got to find those internal solutions and they've got to spend the money wisely on some key areas. They've also got to do it bring in the requisite quality to be able to move on. And, and that's the that's the issue, isn't it? So, um it's going to be such an interesting transfer window in so many different ways, not not least to see how COVID affects it and, you know, the sort of bartering and swapping that's going to go on. Uh, as you say, I think we, you know, as we understand that Mashiri will will back him, he will back Ancelotti, but I don't think we're going to see the sort of excessive spending, relatively speaking, that we've seen in previous uh, Mashiri uh, brands, or certainly Mashiri Walsh, and then to a lesser extent, Mashiri brands windows. It's going to have to be a lot more sort of, targeted and a lot more um, more holistic in the sense that as you've just said there you know what can we do with what we've already got and Anthony Gordon's emergence has been a massive blessing as well and I think you know he's going to really you could, you could see it again in Sheffield United yesterday you know yeah he should have finished he should have got himself with that chance when he sort of slalomed past a few defenders and cut inside and then tried to you know unselfishly uh, tee up one of the forwards but in actual fact you know, his decision there would, would probably have been best in hindsight to uh, have a go himself. But you can see he's going to be a great option uh, out on the flanks. And, you know, you know, there's talk of whether or not he might even flourish inside one day, maybe in a sort of a more central attacking role. Um, for the time being, it's just nice to have a young player from the academy with so many so many options, such an exciting uh, turn of pace and close control and... Uh, and ability, so that's that's fantastic. We will, of course, keep you up to speed with the uh, developments in the transfer window and starting with Hoiberg as the days go on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, you can try out the Athletic for free for thirty days, and you can read all our articles we've mentioned in today's show and many more. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Everton Pod. Paddy and I'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>